Hey, this is Pastor Nate Cook, and you're listening to Pontificating Pastors, a podcast where we lock two pastors in a room and just let them talk about anything and everything. My friend Michael Pig is a church planner in San Marcos, Texas, and I'm a traditional church pastor here in Midwest City, Oklahoma. Special shout out to Russell Martz for the awesome intro music. You can find Russell on SoundCloud at Sprouts Music, S-P-R-O-U-T-Z. And now, we hope you'll enjoy this episode of Pontificating Pastors. Hey, Michael, how's it going this week? It's going well, Nate. How are you? I am doing wonderful. I survived the tornadoes in Oklahoma last night. You know, I stayed up all night crying and worrying about you. Well, I appreciate that. I do have a storm cellar for the first time, I think, in my (laughs) life. I've usually had to be the one borrowing someone else's, so a little more security there, except for the fact that you have to go outside to get to it and uh, so we'll probably be those people who are last minute running in there. So yeah, yeah. We uh, when we lived in Oklahoma City, we lived across the street from a park that had a storm cellar, and uh, and I always thought we're just going to go fight the neighbors to get down in there. I thought that might be just crazy, but I, I was always a little concerned that if I got in a storm cellar, that whatever structure was above it or near it would end up on top of it, and then I would just be trapped in a storm cellar. So yeah, and that I'm, happens. The aftermath would, and it that that sort of creates a panic in me. That's a nightmare for me. Speaking yeah. Of night, speaking of nightmare, um, Shelly and I went on a date last night, and uh, that's good. She wanted to go see uh, the Quiet Place, and because uh, John Krasinski is jacked. <laughs> well, uh, <laughs> it's it, yeah. Nobody like. There's very little dialogue in this movie. Okay. Have you have you seen the memes that say Jim like J I M more like G Y M and they have a picture of him skinny on the office and all buff now that well, he's jacked up. So yeah. so there wasn't a lot of dialogue, which no, I think it, would drive some people crazy. But I, it, I think I'd like it. It was so quiet, and we went to this uh, this theater where you can get a meal, and there's like a button you push on your seat, and a waiter or waitress will come and. I saw that on social media. I was like, yeah, yeah. it looks like Michael's at a bar with his wife watching a movie or something. <laughs> well, it's kind of, it kind of works that way. Um, and, and so like there were people eating, right. But in the movie starts and there's no dialogue and it's super quiet. And I'm thinking, uh, how, how do how do you eat in a movie theater where exactly. you like everybody can hear you crunching your food, you know, you know, you so. get the nachos and it's like, <laughs> <laughs> and, and the paper was rattling and the girl in the seat, a couple of seats down from me got Skittles. Oh, nice. <laughs> she barely ate the Skittles because every time she touched the package, you know, it was like one of the creatures was going to get us. <laughs> <laughs> so many yeah. stories come to mind. One is my friend who was eating nachos at the beginning of Saving Private Ryan, I don't know if you've ever seen that movie. <laughs> and he was like, I just couldn't yeah. eat anymore. The other is when I'm dating my wife, I go to, I sneak in a giant bag of Skittles. 
her sister and all her sister's friends are behind me and all my friends. I pull the bag to open it, you know, forcefully, and it just flies in the air. And it sounds like it's raining Skittles on the concrete floor as the movie started. It's like, <sighs> and, and she's laughing. Of course, I know my new girlfriend is going to find out about how much of an idiot her boyfriend is. <laughs> well, my wife did not want to see The Quiet Place. Originally, she did. She's like, oh, I think you would like this because you're really into silence and solitude. And she thought it was a movie about like Christian science, silence, not Christian science. That was another episode. <laughs> Something else. yeah. Christian silence and solitude. And then we saw the preview and I was like, honey, I don't think that's what you think it is. And she hates to be scared. Like she oh. gets scared at random moments in chick flicks when somebody does something that makes people jump. And she jumps even though she's seen it 15 times. Oh, so yeah. to, to take her to that movie, I might have my like my eyes clawed out. And you know. <laughs> uh, Kelly had a hold of my arm through half the show and at one point bit me. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. see, I'm not grabbed, risking that one. Yeah, she grabbed my hand and she held them to her both to her mouth, my hand and her hand. And then she she bit my finger. And I'm thinking... That's you're not helping me be quiet, Charlie. Charlie, <laughs> Shelley, you bit me. My finger, <laughs> and it really hurt. It hurt. <laughs> so anyway, that, all right. Uh, that was an exciting uh, evening, uh, but um, we uh, we learned a thing or two about how hard it is to be quiet. Yeah, that's a hard thing to do. So we it uh, is difficult. Yeah, I've been. Uh, we we talked about that a couple of weeks ago, where you mentioned the, just the importance of silence. Uh, yeah. So, anything besides the movies you want to talk about today? Oh, sure. I uh, I was thinking about, um, you know, is kind of the the way the church uh, or Christianity has sometimes made salvation an individual experience. Um, and so I, I, you know, my thought was just to call you and ask, uh, so is my, uh, is my salvation independent of yours? Right. Yeah. That's a, that's a big question. And I think, you know, growing up as, as an American, it was one that was never really even considered. Uh, but what does it mean for us to be saved as the church and not just for me to be saved as an individual? And uh, so, yeah, you got some thoughts. I, well, I just, you know, I, I think it's kind of like freedom. Um, can, can I really be free if everyone's not free? You know, uh, because, because if I say I'm free um, and then that somehow, if I believe that that somehow frees me from the obligation to those who are not free, um, then, then, the, then there's a false sense of freedom there. I haven't really. I'm only free because I choose to ignore the things that I'm not really free from. Um, so I think there's this responsibility to others that we have that uh, that makes that our salvation is somewhat uh, connected to one another. That's not to say that, you know, I'm not responsible for my own repentance, but at the same time, uh, the community of faith is supposed to be penitent together, not just the individual being penitent. Um, so no, I was just struggling with the, with the whole idea of, of how much damage have we done to Christianity by making it an, an individual experience um, and downplaying the communal experience of it. 
So I, I, it was just some thoughts I was having uh, as I was driving down the road this week. Yeah, so I actually wrote an essay for a book that was published as part of a class. Dr. Crutcher likes to have his classes try to publish their work on Kindle so that that way you know you're writing good stuff. <laughs> you have to you have to get a certain kind of grade to get it published, though. So, so he puts them together, and uh, my essay was on why I can't be holy without you, and it was the the examining the church in light of the Trinity. So exactly what you're talking about. Um, how are, you know, in other words, can I be a holiness person without um, my relationships with others? And we, and we would say, Wesley probably would have said, uh, no, that's not possible. So yeah, I think as I've grown as a minister and as I've learned, you know, um, I grew up in the 80s in church, and there was a lot of, you know, we do subtle things at our church, like we we don't take communion in little bitty cups that are individually uh, made with little wrappers with the, the communion wafer on top. We we take the one cup and the one body, and and there's a sense in which, uh, I even talked about this this week, uh, I used to always talk about Emmanuel, God with us, and I used to repeat the phrase, God is with me throughout the day, but I think I was missing when I used to do that, God is with us. And that when I come to church, I read on, online, so, you know, I'm going to get my worship on or I'm going to get filled up. Or, But when I come to church, part of that experience is the fact that I get to be the visible face of Jesus to someone maybe who is hurting in the community or someone who is in need in the community. Um, and they get to be that for me as well. And so there's a sense in which uh, yes, we are being saved together and we're actually being, uh, sharpened, you know, together. We're being made more like Christ together. Um, and then we together become a visible picture of what God looks like in the world, which is awesome and scary. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think, um, I don't, I don't want to diminish the idea that it is a personal experience to some degree. Um, oh no! I think we're dealing with a both and thing, but I tend to say, you know, you never, you've never, whoever heard of two of one ant, right? Right. Like, um, there's a line from that movie Ants. Um, the two are walking away. The the princess and the uh, um, dude. I just on video a call, and you just caught I a just fly. Caught fly. It's in my hand right now. Like yeah. it flew in front of my face, and I caught it. That, and, I'm sorry, I had to interrupt on that. One. <laughs> It's like Mr. Miyagi stuff going on right wanna, here on the podcast. I don't know what to do with it. But um, never heard of one fly. I yeah, mean, one ant. One ant. So, so on the movie Ants, the 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 little princess uh, ant and the little mischievous ant, um, Woody or whatever his name was, they uh, they venture off, and and the princess is like, "Where are we going?" And he's, you know, wherever they're supposed to be going, and, and he says, "We're going here." And she says, "We can't go there. We have to return to the bed." And he's like, "No, I'm not going back to the bed." And she's like, "We can't. We're all alone out here. Who ever heard of two ants? You know, like they just don't exist in twos. There's always thousands of them uh, in my front yard. I have fire ant beds that I am always trying to get them to move away, but they won't. But there's trillions of them, it seems like, and they just come out of nowhere. Um, it's like third graders entering a cafeteria. Yeah. Um, I had a professor and I can't remember which one it is, so I don't want to quote anybody who said, 
there is no example in scripture of a single solitary Christian that the Christ, that the church is always together, that there's always yep. the only picture given in the New Testament is together. And I get a lot of pushback on that. So you're saying if I can't get out, I can't, you know, of course, we're not going to make blanket statements. But sure. the idea is that this this life is meant to be uh, lived in community and that it's together that we we can more fully reflect the image of God, I think. Sure. I think, well, John, you know, John 17 tell, teaches us that, you know, Jesus talks about the spirit, the father and the son being one and inviting us into that oneness with him. Um, so even our understanding of who God is, is a, is a community. Um, you know, we talk about it in terms of Trinitarian uh, language, but, uh, you know, Jesus invites the church in on that, uh, and, and I don't think he invites necessarily individual believers in on that. He invites us all in on that. Like that would be, you know, uh, but, but how to talk about that is, is very difficult because, you know, when we say, when we read you in scripture as Americans, we tend to read it as an individual you, like Paul was talking directly to me, like Jesus was talking directly to me, when in fact the you is most, mostly plural. Um, yeah. Well, that's where you Texans and me growing up in Texas, we have an advantage. Every time I read that passage, it's, you know, I'm like, I'm a Texan and it's don't y'all know that y'all are a temple of the Holy <laughs> Spirit. I mean, there's a perfect word for that. It's not Greek, but it's close. It's close. <laughs> it's Texan. So, yeah, um, I, I called up some people during a sermon one time. It's not a perfect representation, but I know you've heard of the circle dance where, you know, uh, it's it's like I like to compare it to like ice skaters who when they get in that last spin in the turn, they're just going so fast that you can't tell one from the other. And so we talk about God and Father, Son, Spirit being in the circle dance uh, where they twirl around so fast that you can't um, tell one from the other. And then I just started inviting yeah, especially teenagers, because I knew they'd get up and do it, you know, in the audience. But actually, it would be all of us just to join in the dance. And we were just in there during my sermon, spinning around as fast as <laughs> as humanly possible, you know. But but that's kind of a that's kind of the picture. And that you're saying that your sermon that day made some people vomit. No, no one actually vomited. Oh. But that's really really good. The other day we were having an event. I look around and I'm trying to get some help moving tables, and there are teens for some random reason just spinning around as many times as humanly possible and making themselves sick. And I'm like, I, don't, I have no idea. And you just showed me that fly. So, I did. There's did a fly. It, Listen, I can't see it or hear it, but I'm holding the fly between my fingers. Yeah. And, and have you killed the fly? Is it dead at this point? I, no, if I let go, I think it might fly off. Okay. Well, I was, I was worried because last time you rescued a dog and now... You're now, killing life. I'm very uh, going to release it into the wild. There you go. <laughs> the wild outside your house. So, yeah, I think, uh, I think, I think your original question, um, I think our our salvation, uh, we do depend on each other. But I I agree with you. I I think sometimes people go too far in taking personal responsibility completely away, 
And, and then what you have is, is universalism. I mean, sure. you have to at some point. Which, you know, crazy enough, I, maybe this isn't a popular show uh, to talk about on a, on a pastor's podcast, but I, I'm going to confess, I watched Breaking Bad. Mm-hmm. I, I watched every episode. And um, and it was just such an interesting. Hey, I did too. So I mean, <laughs> we we'll both go down together. Going down, can't believe you watched that show. It was terrible. There were it times- was a chemist. Oh, I was a chemist. You were a chemist. I, I've I, taught I, high school chemistry. I have never I, cooked meth to well, this I day. Had, I had no desire to watch it. I didn't even know it was a show until <laughs> cooking meth. Um, but there's a there's a. I had no desire to watch it until some teenage boys who were in my youth group said to me, Michael, you've got to watch this because I got questions and I want to talk to you about this. And I'm like, I don't, I don't even know what that is. And then right. I, so I watched it and then it was highly addictive. Um, kind of like meth, kind of like meth, I guess. Um, and From I what just, I've heard, I just watched it to see if, if Walter White was ever going to make a good decision. Like, yeah, it became concerning that this man is incapable of making a good decision. But well, said, I, I thought it was interesting how his character and Jesse Pinkman's character basically just went in opposite trajectories the entire entire. Show. Oh, they yeah. were never in line with one another. And, and if they ever were in line, it was only because Walter had manipulated Jesse to be in line with him long enough to accomplish a task. Yeah. So there's this episode where Jesse is going to he's he's a recovering meth addict. He goes to. uh to a meeting like uh, a 12 step program or something like that at a, at a church where uh, a man is conducting the meeting and it's all about acceptance and it's all about loving yourself. And it's all about these things that are, uh, that you would expect in that situation. Cause he's telling them, you know, if you're in this spiral, this death spiral of, of self loathing, then your, your answer to that is not going to be to come up with a better solution. It's going to be to return to whatever you're addicted to. And so you can't be always hating yourself and always beating yourself up and all these things. And, and Jesse tells this story about killing a dog um, for no reason. And as the viewer, we know that he didn't kill a dog. He killed a human being. Um, right. And, uh, and he killed him and he had a reason, but he couldn't divulge that reason to the group, obviously. And, and so anyway, this one woman in the group just starts berating him. You killed a dog for no reason? What kind of a person does that? And she's like flipping out on him. And the conduct, the guy who's conducting the group, facilitating the group is like, let's watch the crosstalk. There's no, we're not here for judgment. And Jesse's like, but aren't we though? Why aren't we here for judgment? What if that was wicked? What if that was evil? What if that was wrong? Is there, is it always acceptance? Is there not some point where, yeah, and he presses the guy and, and he, and he brings out some of the guy's very personal things that, that the man has shared before and throws them back in his face. And he goes, is it all acceptance or is there some point where we hold ourselves accountable? Yeah. Yeah. And, and the guy is forced in that moment who's been pushing acceptance to admit that at some point, no, it's not acceptable. Some right. things are, I think Jesse says to him, he says, I didn't come to group to, uh, to, to share, to get better. I actually showed up here to sell meth to these folks. Is that acceptable? And the guy was like, no, that's not acceptable. Right. Um, so there's a, some point which we, we, we can't be universalists in, in that we can be universalists and we can say that God's love is universal. God's forgiveness is universal but we also can't treat God like he's a big pushover. And we certainly can't 
there's no gratitude if there's no change. Right. Yeah. And I think one of the things that I think is really um, gets to that is um, I, I love that Jesus came full of grace and truth. Um, Jesus didn't just come full of grace. And, th- and that's kind of the trumpet that's been blasted over the last however many years. Um, but Jesus came full of truth as well. But what I think we miss is that truth is also grace. That truth uh-huh. is what allows us to live in free ways. Uh, when we adhere to truth, when we live in ways uh, that God is calling us to live, uh, we actually live more abundant, more free. It's it's that blessed is the man who, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and that's a real, that's so difficult though, because um, it's like that moment when Jesus says, you know, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth will be loose in heaven. So he somehow has just handed us back the authority to make decisions. He's given us free will. You know, uh, you remember that third day song that said, please take from me my life when I don't have the strength to give it away to you. Yeah. To give it away to Jesus. Yeah. Um, But there's that, you know, there's that sense where, you know, you find yourself going, why don't you just make my decisions for me? Can I just be a zombie robot that does your bidding? Right. Yeah. (laughs) Because, because I keep screwing this up, which reminds me of that, that James Blunt song that says, uh, uh, you know, give me reason, but don't give me choice because I'll just make the same mistake again. You know, uh, you know, if you, if you give me your heart, I'm going to, I'm going to break it. That's what he's basically saying in that song, but right. has a lot of application. Uh, when we say we were created in the image of God, or he says we were created in his image and we say yes. And so if you get, if he give, he's given us as uh, a piece of sovereignty, maybe, I right. don't know. That might be the might be a difficult way to say that, but if that's the image of God, if we've been given a, some sovereignty over our own life, we've been given free will. God gets to do what God wants to do, and God has allowed us to do what we want to do within reason, because we're not all powerful, right? Just, but but we get to within our within our scope, we get to do whatever we want to do, so that we can choose Him rather than just be afraid of Him or just be subject to Him. Um, but as we define that within community, you know, because uh, if, if it's all grace, then then we, we don't need a police department. Right. Well, right. and I think when you get back to the original um, question of do I need you, um, the answer then becomes, yeah, because it's in that accountability. It's in that being willing to be vulnerable and say, these are the places that I don't measure up. These are the places that I'm not living into maybe what I'm called to do. It's in that confession, that accountability that we together work out our salvation. And it is a very freeing, uh, it's where we find unity. It's where we find empathy and love for one another because we realize we're, we're all on this journey together. Yeah. I, I think, you know, work out your salvation in fear and trembling, which is what Paul says, not to one person, but to the church. Once again, we get that really confused because we take everything to one person. Yeah. We just bring, well, I'm the one reading it, right? So, right. Yeah. 
specifically to me. Well, yes, it is. But if you do this all alone, you know, the problem with, with the hermit um, is that the hermit hides and, and doesn't get, uh, you know, uh, facial response, doesn't get that, you know, uh, when you have you ever told somebody an idea that you thought was a good idea, but you had concocted it all by yourself and you say it out loud. And as you hear yourself saying it and you watch their face, they're like, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, that right there is like such an important part of the human experience. You know, that's why we need to be together to make sure that whatever idea we've concocted isn't just some, you know, crazy notion that we've come up with, but it actually has some grounding in reality and, and can be applied and is useful and is fair. You know, I think that's where, you know, when you get in homogenous situations, then you come out of those homogenous situations and you end up with racism or bigotry of some sort, uh, some idea of supremacy. Right. Well, we we are about 23 minutes in, and I'm sure we could keep going on this for a long time. I've noticed our podcasts keep getting longer. There was one that was shorter, but they, consistently they've gotten longer, which doesn't surprise me at all. So It didn't hurt that the fly interrupted us. Yeah. So I've Why noticed what you're talking about in my cults class. Uh, many times that's what happens is someone goes off and gets their own reading of scripture. And I think that's why we need to read scripture together even as well. And it's okay to argue those points back and forth about what it means. And because that's how the process keeps us accountable. So, sure. Hey man, great stuff. I uh, hope you have a great week. I love you. And I will uh, see you next time. All right. Love you too. Hey, thanks again for listening to Pontificating Pastors. If you like what you're hearing, don't forget to subscribe on iTunes or Anchor or any one of the other platforms. We hope you have a great week.